player who will represent the greatest upgrade at any single position for the Steelers in 2021 is obviously Najee Harris. Okay, I'm going to get that one out of the way. But the player who I think will represent the greatest year-over-year upgrade in his own play, that's Chase Claypool. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into baseball and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Pirates and Penguins. Right where you found this. Claypool spoke with us yesterday after the Steelers' sixth day of OTAs over on the south side. And he spoke with a specific humility that I found impressive. And when I say specific humility, what I mean is anyone can sound generally humble. They can even say things like, I'm humbled, or I've been humbled by this game, or things like that. And it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. But when you call out your own specific shortcomings, that tells me that you're confronting them. That tells me that you're trying to get better from them, that you're trying to have the kind of impact that you and others expect from you. And that I found impressive. Here's a sampling of that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, me especially, but we all we all can, um, you know, obviously we have to, like, complete those contested catches. I know I had a couple that I could have came down with. And then um, just being – we were on the same page timing, so continuing to work off that and um, getting more separation downfield, obviously, the more the better. Um, staying healthier um, down the stretch will always help. He's right. He's right. And the one that gets me – out of any of them, out of any of the things that he mentioned, is the competing for the ball that's up in the air, the combat catchedness, to borrow a James Washington applied term. The ability to have a ball that's over your head that you and the DBs would appear to have an equal shot at catching but you're the one that comes down with it because you know what you're doing with your hands and your arms and you fight for it. James Washington, combat catches. Chase Claypool is 6'4", 238. He doesn't look like he's packed on like any kind of significant weight or whatever, but I know that's been one of the things that has been discussed is that, well, if he's going to be Megatron or Mapletron or whatever it is, that he'll have to fill out that 6-4 form. I, I'm not as sold on that as others are. Your frame is whatever it is. But there can't be any question that he needed to get A, more strength, and B, more resolve when he went up for the ball. Yes, he had a good year as a rookie coming away with 62 catches on 109 targets, 873 yards, Average of 14.1 per catch, nine touchdowns. Remember that almost all of those came fairly early whenever he just was a touchdown machine, but they still happened. Those still counted. 41 first downs. Also ran the ball 10 times, ended up getting 
16 yards out of that. That's an area where you would hope, especially with Matt Canada, that he'd improve. But there's nothing that stands out for me quite like those 50-50 balls, and he's going to have to come down with those. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. Check them out online at lgkg.com or call 888-842-5454. He's the one out of this group. He's the one that can make the biggest year-over-year difference. And notice, I, I, I have to keep Najee out of this discussion be a big upgrade on James Conner, Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, the whole deal that running game one would hope will be dramatically upgraded overall. But when I look at Claypool, I see a progress that can be made that can have a cumulative impact on this team. And start with this. It's going to be expected. Mike Tomlin has a thing that he repeats. Well, he has lots of things that he repeats. But one of them, to all of his players, is about second year. Second year. Second year. This is the year you step up. This is the year. Last year, you had the excuses. You didn't come in here in NFL-type shape. You didn't have the body frame, shape, weight, whatever it was. Uh, you had all kinds of learning to do. You had experiences that you never... Now it's the second year. Now it's expected. Now you're just an NFL player. So it's going to be expected. And so will, by the way, partaking in the full schedule. If you'll remember, about midway through the 2020 season, Claypool wasn't getting on the field a lot. And when Tomlin was asked about that, his response was, hey... He's never played this much football before. We need to make sure that we still get the maximum out of him the whole way through. Well, again, that's not going to apply. That's not going to apply. He's not going to be kept off the field to guard his conditioning level or anything like that. If it does happen, if it does, try to imagine the impact that that has on the rest of the receiving core on Ben Roethlisberger and his regaining confidence in throwing the deep ball, again, which Ben said earlier this week, he hopes to be able to do. But then also, just on the Matt Canada offense in general. You know, James Washington was saying earlier this week that he feels that one of the strengths of this wide receiver core is that all four of them can line up in any given slot and contribute, like legit contribute. And he's right. He's right. If you saw Juju line up on the outside, would you go, whoa? No, because you've seen it before. If you saw Deontay line up on the inside or Chase Claypool line up on the inside, you see what I'm saying? Any of these guys has done that. They've moved around, they've bounced around. And if part of the Canada objective with this offense is to create that deception and to create those mismatches. I can't think of another player 
on that offense who could benefit more greatly from that than Claypool. Because he's your splash guy. He is that. He's not the Mike Wallace, you know, one-trick pony, straight-line burner guy. But as we saw, especially early in his rookie season, and I know you're thinking right away when I say that to that that catch in East Rutherford against the Giants in the opener. You know which one I'm talking about where he went to the right sideline and it looked like he had absolutely no chance to come down with that ball? There's two New York players draped all over him. And he did, and he stayed in bounds. Yeah, that one. If he can pull those off on any consistent basis, we've also seen that he has this almost casual, that's going to sound like a criticism, it's not, this casual ability to pull away once he's made that catch. And I know you know what I'm talking about with this one, too, because you could picture it in your head. He'd get a ball down deep and then just go. Like he could just waltz into the end zone from there. That, my friends, changes everything. Everything about this offense. It opens up underneath routes. It opens up uh, running lanes for Harris. It does everything. This is the breakout. This is the progression that you want more than any other as it relates to the offense. Year two of Chase Claypool. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and today's comes from Jeremy asks DK from all accounts I heard over the years not only was Tunch Ilkin a great football man but an even greater person any memorable stories or personal experiences you've had with Tunch that you'd be willing to talk about to honor his retirement yeah but I I don't have much of a chance of getting through this um, if I if I go all out on you here and Tunch, for anybody who doesn't know, is is battling ALS. It's a uh, merciless disease. And sometimes when you say that someone's battling a disease, you're just using the term reflexively. Tunch is battling. Tunch is up at sunrise every day. He meets with a group of friends, supporters from his church, up on Mount Washington, and they go for these long walks. And those are becoming harder and harder for Tunch to make. But he's making them. And he's staying in touch with people. He's staying in touch with his friends. He's not gone into any kind of, you know, seclusion or anything like that. Uh, I have so many stories to share regarding this extraordinary man, but I first want to applaud you, Jeremy, for the way you described him perfectly as saying that he's a great football man, but an even greater person. Here again, these are terms that you hear used pretty routinely and often incorrectly, you know? 
Uh, Tunch is that. Tunch doesn't just uh, preach at his church. Tunch lives it. Tunch preaches what he has learned and absorbed in his religion to people that he encounters, not to try to convert them, not to try to get them to, you know, come and drop some quarters in the tambourine that's getting passed around. He he just wants to make your life better. He wants to share something that he picked up along the way, something that he believes in from his Bible teachings, from his own preachings, from his own life experiences, sometimes, a lot of times actually, from Chuck Knoll, who we kind of treat like a deity in this region. And he'll do that for you. And I can tell you, every time I've encountered the man, which is an awful lot over the years, uh, I come away with a smile on my face. And the the last time I saw him was at... Uh, was at Heinz Field, uh, the playoff game against Cleveland, and he was just sitting outside the radio studio taking a little bit of a break because broadcasting had started to get uh, pretty tough for him as well. And this was at the time when we were all, you know, wearing masks and six feet and everything else, and just, you know, he came, he saw the sadness in my eyes and looking at him, and I don't think he was going to find that acceptable. And he, he came up to me and asked me how I was doing. Me, I, you know, like, that. he came and asked me how I was doing. Like, and my, cons- he was concerned about me in that setting. And I obviously, I mean, I, I changed the subject, but at the same time, I didn't want to bring up the same subject that everybody was bringing up with him constantly, because I'm sure he gets a little bit tired of that. And, you know, just gave the man an embrace, which is nothing new. It's just that's how, that's what Tunch is. He's, he's, a, he's a handshaker and a hugger, you know. He and, and his lifelong best buddy, Craig Wolfley, are, are, are both that. And uh, this has been tough on Wolf. It's obviously been a lot tougher uh, on Tunch. But if you want to hear something that's good, that's positive... That's a story. Picture Tunch getting up tomorrow morning and taking that walk. No matter how much it hurts, no matter how much he might feel this or that, or you know something is declining or slipping a little bit, and he's still doing that because he's making the most of literally every single day that he's got. And I can't conceive... <laughs> of a of a higher role model uh, of a higher figure that anyone can strike in a given life all right you did this jeremy all right i'm done with I'm, <laughs> I'm done with answering questions from jeremy now um thanks to everybody for listening to daily shot of steelers uh i appreciate all the questions that you send except jeremy's today and uh we'll have another one of these fine programs for you on Monday.